Welcome to another episode of Radio Days, when radio is king, from 1001 Stories Podcast Network, and your home for the very best of old-time radio. Dangerous Assignment was an NBC radio drama starring two-fisted Brian Dunleavy playing U.S. Special Agent Steve Mitchell and broadcast in the U.S. between 1949 and 1953. Today's show features the first two episodes of this action-packed series. The commissioner, played by Herb Butterfield, sent U.S. Special Agent Steve Mitchell to exotic locales all over the world where he would encounter adventure and international intrigue in pursuit of bad guys. Steve's cover identity in almost all his adventures was that of a suave debonair foreign correspondent for an unnamed print publication. His assignments invariably involved deceit, trickery, and violence, all tied together into a successful resolution by the end of the episode. And not unlike the James Bond of British M16, Mitchell always found a way to have a girl in every locale. Along those lines, the commissioner's secretary, Ruthie, played by Betty Moran, will remind you of Miss Moneypenny of Bond fame, as her character suggests a prior relationship, or a desired relationship, with Mitchell. This early action series may well have provided some inspiration for the James Bond books and movies, which came later. Many stage and screen actors appeared as guest stars on the Dangerous Assignment radio series, including William Conrad, Raymond Burr, Paul Fries, Jim Davis, Dan O'Herlihy, Richard Boone, and Eddie Cantor. It's a great adventure, well written and acted, and the stories keep you on the edge of your seat. The first of today's two episodes is titled The Throp Foundation, Stolen Relief Supplies, with the action set in Italy. And the second is titled Malayan Starline Sabotage. And now, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Dunleavy. walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. Broadcasting Company presents the first in an exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. You're going to run this pretty little boat right onto the rocks if you don't put your hands on the wheel. Uh-uh. Automatic pilot. W5, oh. WRS, <laughs> calling W2B. I should have known you'd have one of those on your boat. <laughs> so help me. First time in my life I've ever used it, Evelyn. Eloise. Hello, sure, sure. Yeah. W5, WRS, calling W2BYR. Steve. Mm-hmm. Why don't you turn that radio off? Hmm? I never should have turned it on. What's all that W stuff? Who's that silly woman trying to get, anyway? W5WRS calling W2BYR. That's the ship to shore operator. (laughs) Brother, you know them all. What does she want with you? I'm afraid I know. (laughs) Well, 
guess they better answer before they send the Coast Guard. W5WRS from W2BYR. Go ahead. Stand by, W2BYR. I have a call for you. Go ahead. This is Ruth, Steve. The commissioner wants to see you right away. Over. Now, look, Ruth. I said only call me in an emergency. Over. The commissioner says this is an emergency. Over. But I'm in the middle of a big deal, Ruth. I'm tied up. Over. Just a minute, Steve. He says untie her and get into the office. But tell him... Oh, okay. I'll come back. Out. Eloise, I'm afraid And for this, I broke another day. Now, look, Eloise, I'm sorry. So what do I do? I go out and buy a new sunsuit. And it's a very nice sunsuit. I even fry some chicken for the first time in my life. I fry some chicken. But this probably won't take long. And what am I supposed to do in the meantime? And what am I going to do with all that fried chicken? Uh, well, keep it on ice for me, huh? Hello, Commissioner. Steve, I trust you concluded your big deal satisfactorily. Uh, <coughs> well, I... Uh-huh. <laughs> Steve, ever hear of the Throp Foundation? Throp Foundation? Sure. That's the private charity that's been sending a lot of relief shipments to Europe. Right. Food and medical supplies. Yeah, that's the outfit. What about them? Their last three shipments to Sicily have been stolen. Oh? Uh, you mean off the boat? No, from the foundation's warehouse in Messina, Sicily. I see. We've been instructed to get to the bottom of it. As usual, you'll pose as a foreign correspondent. Ruth has your credentials in order. Okay. On the surface, your assignment will be to write a story about the stolen shipments. Actually... I want you to find out who's been stealing those shipments. And to be frank, Steve, I'm sending you into a pretty nasty situation over there. The Throp Foundation has had two men working on this case. One of them has been missing for two weeks. Mm. What about the other one? Oh, they found him all right. His throat had been cut. Well, that's reassuring. We're sending you because we think you can take care of yourself and handle the danger. When do you want me to leave? Good. As soon as possible. Now, if you need help or information once you get to Sicily, contact Emilio Donati in Messina. Who's Emilio Donati? He runs a bar in Messina. We think he's our friend of ours. Okay. There's just uh, one more thing I should warn you about, Steve. You know, you're making this assignment sound real attractive, Commissioner. (laughs) What is it? I guess you've heard of the Sicilian bandit they call Lorenzo. Yeah, who hasn't? He's got the whole countryside terrorized. Steve, I don't know whether he has anything to do with all this or not, but if he has, now watch yourself. Yep. Looks like I got a real honey this time. You did. But it's vital to us that those relief shipments get through. Trouble usually starts from empty stomachs. Yeah. That's all. You got your assignment, Steve. Your plane leaves in two hours. Good luck. Ah, Signore, sassi, eh? 
Uh, you want a taxi, senor? Yeah. Hey, uh, look, driver, you know your way around Messini pretty well, huh? <laughs> sure. I live here most of my life, senor. At the age of three, I was brought here from Palermo. So I know every house, every street, every building, every bar. Yeah, every... yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know your city. Now, take me to the Throp Foundation Warehouse. Again? Throp Foundation Warehouse. You know where it is? Throp? No, no. Throp. It's a... Ah, well, never mind. Just take me to the Rienzi Hotel. I'm sure you must have heard of that. Why, sure. I'm going to put your baggage in the car, senor. Hello. <clears throat> Sorry I'm late. Hmm? <laughs> You're not late. You're just in time. I heard you inquiring for the Throp Foundation, so you must be Ralph Gillette. I'm Helen Collier. I was supposed to meet you here at the airport, and I... Uh, look, I'm afraid there's been a mistake. My name's not Gillette. It's Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. Oh, oh, I I thought you were the one I was supposed to meet. I'm sorry. <laughs> Believe me, I'm sorry, too. Couldn't we just pretend I was? I'm afraid Mr. Archer wouldn't understand. <laughs> Already I don't like Mr. Archer. Don't even know him. Who is he? My boss. He's in charge of the foundation's office here in Messina. Oh, wait a minute. Do you work for the Throp Foundation? Mm-hmm. Mr. Archer's been expecting a new man to fly down from Rome, uh, Mr. Gillette. I thought you were he. Oh. I wonder if you'd tell me where the foundation office is. I'm a foreign correspondent, and I'd like an interview with your boss. Oh, well, I could go with you and show you where it is, because it doesn't look like Mr. Gillette is on the plane anyway. Fine. I have a cab over here. You say you're a foreign correspondent. I suppose you want to do a story on the stolen relief shipments. Yep. Well, good luck. Mr. Archer doesn't want any publicity about it. It would have an adverse effect on donations from the States. Oh, well, here we are. Uh, pardon us, gentlemen. Uh, si, senor. If the one of the man's way. Of course, your pardon, senor. Well, I'll see if I can get some kind of a statement from him. Are there just the two of you in the Messina office? Yes, right now. There were three of us. <laughs> Paul Wainwright was the third, but he... Well, he got fired a few days ago. At the Hotel Rienzi, no? No. Trop Foundation. Tropa? Tropa? Oh, Via Delgada. Oh, si, senorina. <laughs> hey, you must have the magic touch. Uh, this Paul Wainwright, he was fired by Mr. Archer? Yes, three days ago. Senor, are you ready, huh? Si. Did you hear what the signorina told the driver? See, si, Eduardo. Via Delganda. That is the address of the Throp Foundation. I will report it. You follow the American. Mr. Mitchell, you must understand my position. It's not that I don't want to cooperate with you and your press association, but at the same... The uh, stolen shipments are news, Mr. Archer, and news is my job. Well, I know all that, but just stop and think what's going to happen if the news spreads around back in the States. Our donations would probably stop coming in. We think it's vital that these shipments continue. I see. Well, in that case, could you give me an off-the-record statement about it? Mm, I might, if I were sure it would be treated as such. I'll make a deal with you. We won't break the story unless or until the thieves are rounded up. Hmm. Well, all right. I guess that's fair enough. There have been three shipments stolen, right? Yes, from our warehouse. It's right downstairs. Yes, I noticed it as I came up. Did you have anyone guarding the shipments? Of course. We kept doubling the guard, but each time they were overpowered. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the thieves have a pretty large outfit. Yes, apparently they do. 
I suppose you've heard of the bandit they call Lorenzo. Oh, certainly. Everybody in Sicily's heard of him. He's got the whole country terrorized. He's supposed to have a hideout up in the mountains. Uh, I know what you're thinking, Mr. Mitchell. That Lorenzo's men could have stolen the shipments. I thought of that right away myself. Well, it's possible, isn't it? Yes, it's possible. Personally, I don't think Lorenzo had anything to do with it. With Lorenzo's reputation what it is, it would be relatively easy for someone else to make it look as if Lorenzo had done it. That's an interesting thought. Incidentally, you fired one of your men a few days ago, didn't you? Paul Wainwright? That is something that I'd rather not discuss. Oh? Of course, I don't want to persecute the man just because some of his actions appeared vaguely suspicious to me. I, uh, I have no proof of anything at all. I see. Well, thanks for the information. I'll see you later. You wish a paper, senor? Oh, yeah. Please. Right here. Hmm. Thanks. I am Carlotta. What will you have? Beer. But it is after dark. It's time to drink wine. <laughs> Emily Post may not like it, but I still want beer. Anything you wish. I will bring it. <laughs> Look, uh, is the boss in, Carlotta? Emilio Domati. See, he's here. Why? I like the scenery. I might set up a charge account. <laughs> Where is he? Uh, the fat one, over at the bar. I will tell him to come over. No, 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 never mind. I'll go over there. I see, see, I'm coming. Emilio Donati? Huh? So I'm called, senor. I uh, told a friend of mine in the States I'd say hello to you. So? I know many people in the States, senor. I'm pretty sure you'll know my friend, the commissioner. Commissioner? Yeah, I think you're expecting me. I'm Steve Mitchell. A name can be used by anyone, senor. Here. You recognize the handwriting? Ah, see. Si. You are Steve Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Well, how can I help? I'm working on the theft of the relief shipment. Yeah, I thought that would be it. That's a very bad thing, Steve. There are so many people are hungry here in Sicily. Yeah. Uh, look, a fellow named Paul Wainwright was fired from the Throp Foundation a few days ago, and Archer acts like he thinks Wainwright's involved in the fifth. Paul Wainwright, I know who he is. I'd like to talk to him. Can you arrange it? See, si. in an hour or two, I will send the word for him to come to the back room of my bar off the alley. We can talk to him there. Wainwright ought to be showing up pretty soon, hadn't he? See, si. He should have been here by now, Steve. There's another lead I want to run down to, Emilio. Hmm? Do you have any idea where the bandit Lorenzo's headquarters are? Oh, si. In the mountains to the west over here. Think you could furnish me a guide? A, a guide? Yeah. Just to get me into the general area. After that, I'll go it alone and do a little reconnoitering undercover. Steve, you must not try a thing like that. Look. It's the quickest way of proving whether Lorenzo's involved in these thefts or not. If he is, 
He's probably got a lot of the supplies hidden away in those mountains. My, his men would capture you. He has lookouts all over the mountains. Well, just last month, an entire division went up there and... Sure, they... sure, that's the point. There were so many Lorenzo's men spotted them easy. But one man alone in the brush could be hard to find. My Steve, Lorenzo has a small army of cutthroats up there. They are fanatically loyal to him. Could you get me a guide? My, look, the danger. You must realize the danger. Yeah, yeah. Lorenzo isn't stupid enough to kill an American correspondent. Ah, uh-huh. that must be Paul Wainwright. Oh, come in, uh, Senor Wainwright. No, thanks. Look, Donati, and you too, whatever your name is. There's a waste of time. We've got nothing to talk about. Oh, Wainwright. Right uh, in the back. Emilio, get out of the light. Get down. Uh, Someone's running down the alley. Don't follow him, Steve. Huh? It may be a trap. There may be others waiting in the dark. Yeah, I guess you're right. Wainwright, see? He's a dead, Steve. Now perhaps you realize that there's a real danger here for you. They know you are not a correspondent. Do you still wish a guide? I'll be waiting in room 23, Rienze Hotel. All right. I will send a man over. Senor Mitchell? Yeah, who are you? Casella. Casella? That's supposed to mean something to me? Emilio Donati sent me to you. Oh, oh, you're the guide. Si, senor. I am to conduct you to the mountain where Lorenzo and his band are hiding. Oh, Emilio didn't lose any time, did he? It was thought best to travel at night, so that we may be in the mountains before the sun comes up. Yeah, I guess that would be best. We will drive to the foot of the mountains by car. Then we'll use horses on the trails. It is all arranged. Good. When do you want to start? As soon as possible. Okay, let's go. Hey, pretty narrow trail up here, Casella. Uh, si, senor. About time for sunrise, isn't it? But a few more minutes and it will be light. Hmm. You say, you think Lorenzo's hiding out somewhere on that mountain up there ahead of us? See, uh, that is what I have heard. Okay, let's stop here a minute. I'll go it alone from here, Casella. There's no point in your going any farther. Thanks very much. Si, senor. You're right. There is no point in going any farther. Put your hands in front of you. What? Do as I say, senor. I am going to tie your hands. Look, what is this anyway? Hey, wait a minute. You're one of Lorenzo's men. So true, senor. It will do you no good to resist. Do not try to escape. There's a man blocking your trail. See? He has a gun. Okay, I'll try it through you. Stop. Come on. Stop. I'm coming through. Eduardo, quick. Someone help me. Eduardo, help. Okay, Casella. That's for the double cross, bub. Senor, I have a gun. I said stop. Uh, okay. Looks like you win. Good. Now I tell you. Hold your hands up. Okay. Here's one of them. Oh. Senor Mitchell. Cassandra, are you all right? See, si, I think so. Except my nose. It is bleeding. Fool, you deserve it. Come, we'll take the American to Lorenzo. Now, 
to Eduardo. Oh. Hotel Lorenzo. See? Si. Oh. Oh. Casella. See, si. Casella. This is for the bloody nose you gave me, senor. Well, thanks. Looks like I got taken for the well-known ride. I thought Emilio Donato was a friend. <laughs> Sometimes it is difficult to know who your friends are. You're so right. Uh, here, here is Lorenzo now. Well, Senor Mitchell, you're feeling better now, huh? Not much. <laughs> Welcome to my camp. Thanks. So you're Lorenzo. See, si, I have that honor. Honor? Of course. Hmm. Where are we? Walk with me and I will show you. As you see, you're on top of a mountain. This is my headquarters. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can see a hundred miles from here. See, si, this is why I choose this place. But where are the guards? Guards? <laughs> you are not my prisoner. You are my guest. Mm-hmm. But see, below us, my men are camped there. Is it not a reassuring sight? Hey, that looks like a small army. 120 patriots. <laughs> patriots, you call them? Of course, they serve Lorenzo. <laughs> Got a pretty good opinion of yourself, huh? <laughs> I am one of the most brilliant men I have ever met. Really? <laughs> you know, you don't talk like you've spent your whole life in these mountains. Oh, I have, as you say, been around. I attended a university in Italy for two years. But you came back to this. How come? A sense of duty, senor. I rub the rich and give to the poor. Yeah? That sounds pretty, Lorenzo. But are you sure it's not just because you're a thief at heart? <laughs> you are shrewd, senor. Well, why not? From my experience in the world, I have learned that one must look out for oneself. Oh? Consider the recent war. Nobody won it. Consider the peace. Again, nobody wins it. Everyone quarrels and fights. Now, is it not much more clever to take what one wants, to be concerned only with oneself? You know, your kind of thinking isn't helping things any. Perhaps not, but it is profitable to me. Uh, Senor, this conversation is pleasant, but I still do not understand why you were so anxious to spy on my camp. No? You ever hear of the Throp Foundation? No. What is it, Senor? A relief outfit that's been shipping food and medical supplies here to Sicily. Oh? Does this concern me? That's what I'm wondering. At least three shipments have been stolen from a warehouse in Messina. <laughs> and, of course, you think that I stole them. It's a pretty good bet. Well, I am sorry to disappoint you, senor, but as you see, there are no supplies here. Look around you. I have nothing to hide. No? Uh, it is my fate, senor. Whenever a crime is committed in Sicily, I am immediately accused. I suppose I should feel flattered. It has often occurred to me that the police must find me very convenient. How so? Uh, it would be most embarrassing for them if I were captured then they would have no one to blame for all their unsolved crimes. Well, I'm sorry you made this trip for nothing, senor. Well, if you've got nothing to hide, how come you went to so much trouble to capture me? I was told you wanted to see Lorenzo, so I thought I would make it easy. You were very rough with my men, senor. But uh, no matter. We will be friends. And you will go back to America and tell everyone what a gracious host is Lorenzo. Oh, you want a press agent, huh? (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. That that girl coming up the trail. She looks awfully familiar. Oh, her name is Carlotta. Yeah, yeah, now I recognize her. She works at Emilio Donati's bar. (laughs) Everything's starting to add up. I'm afraid Carlotta is not very happy with me at present. No? She has been very useful to me in the past, but she is so uh, possessive. She is very upset to learn that there had been another woman here. There, you see how she sulks? I believe she thinks that she is punishing me. (laughs) 
Ah, Carlotta, my dear. Don't speak to me, Lorenzo. Do not speak to me. You climbed up here to tell me that. I am true with you. You have not been true to me. Oh, you are not very flattering, my dear. Of course I have not been true to you. That would be to deprive others. Oh, so good for nothing, you. <laughs> I think I'd better leave you here to take out your temper on the American. I have other affairs to look after. I lie for him. I steal for him. Uh, maybe you ought to pick your friends a little more carefully. So, you're the one that put the bee on me at Donati's, huh? You had Lorenzo send that phony guide to my room. Treat me this way after all I do for him. Oh, the beast. I do not think you would treat me that way. Huh? I think if you were my friend, you would treat me nice. Now, look. Would you like to be Carlotta's friend? It's okay with me if you're trying to make Lorenzo jealous, but use somebody else. Kiss me. They cut it out. Come on, come on. Kiss me. Hey. You like it, huh? Well, under other circumstances, maybe. Right now, no. You should not have done that, Carlotta. Lorenzo, Perhaps look. that will show you you cannot treat me as you have. If you do not want me, there are others who do. Uh, you are such a child, Carlotta. I am afraid this presents a problem. Look, there's no problem. I've got no interest in Carlotta, believe me. Oh, I'm aware of that. But some of my men there below may have seen her kiss you, senor, and that is the problem. I must not allow anything to shake their confidence in me. The appearance is everything. No, it is not Carlotta I am thinking about. She is nothing. Oh, dog, that you should talk about me like that. What if I were to tell the American about... Shut up, Carlotta. Wait a minute. What did you say, Carlotta? Then you would wish you had not treated me that way. I told you to keep your mouth shut. I will tell. Carlotta! On the other side of the mountain is a cave. Lorenzo has hidden the relief shipments there. Well, Lorenzo. So you've got nothing to hide. Now, indeed, I have no choice, senor. Carlotta, give me your scarf. Going to fight with the knives over me. Fool! To think it is you I am considering. Hey, look, now let's consider me for a minute. I did not intend to kill you, senor, but as you see now, I must. Here, take this knife. Now, wait a minute. Put the end of this scarf between your teeth. Huh? There, as I do the other end. Oh, well, so, now we circle slowly. Hey, look, let's cut out this foolishness, will you? Do not hold the knife that way. Huh? Use the underhand grip. Do you know nothing at all about knife fighting? As much as I want to know. Now, for the last time... I am sorry. Defend yourself. Okay, you ask for it. You twist the knife from my hand. Yeah. You may know knife fighting, but you're pretty sad on judo. Oh, Lorenzo! You killed Lorenzo! Just a rabbit punch, lady. Won't even leave a scar. So long. Stop, stop! Oh, God. Carissimo. Oh. He has killed you. Oh. Oh, Lorenzo. Lorenzo. Will you stop that silly babbling? Lorenzo. You are all right. See? Except the back of my neck. I will tell your men to go after him. No, this is a personal matter. They might find it hard to understand how the American escaped from me. I will go after him alone. I will go with you. You will wait here, Carlotta. I will attend to you when I return. Lorenzo. I may be gone until dark, because if I do not find the American, then there is someone in Messina I must talk to. Now get me my horse. Oh, boy, my wind is shot. Maybe it's the Allison. Hey, a horse. Ahead of me somewhere. 
Better play it safe. Hey. Donati! What? Over here, Emilio. Steve, Steve Mitchell, you are safe. Yeah. I sent a guide to your room the first thing this morning. He said you were gone. Yeah, one of Lorenzo's men got there first. Your waiter, Carlotta, tipped them off about me. Carlotta? Yeah. Think that horse of yours can carry both of us? Ma, Lorenzo's men, they will be after you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good reason for not hanging around here any longer. All right, come. I'm going to help you up. Wait, listen. That horse is coming. Come on, get your horse into the brush here. Uh, uh, Cover up his nose so he won't whinny. Lorenzo, he's alone. Yeah, heading towards Messina, too. Look, I have a gun. We can capture him. No, no, not yet, Emilio. Come on. We'll give him the lead, then follow him into Messina. It's possible he's got more on his mind than just finding me. If so, I want to know what it is. Senor Arch. Why, you, you fool, coming here to the foundation office. My secretary will be back any minute. The American escaped. Well, how could he? We will not go into that. Oh, you stupid fool. You've ruined everything. Mitchell must know, must know all about the stolen shipments now. See, he knows I stole them, but he does not know that you are involved, Archer. He might as well. We're through now, Lorenzo. Through. And all because of your stupidity. Do not talk that way to me, Archer. I planned it so well. Even when Paul Wainwright became suspicious, I fired him. Then I had his mouth shut permanently. And now you ruined it, you blundering half-breed. You keep your mouth shut. This will help you. Lorenzo, I'll kill you. Your gun is quicker than your knife. Well, Lorenzo and Archer, the gold dust twins. Mitchell. Very neat. So you two did work it together, huh? You're, you're wrong, Mitchell. I, I've just captured a notorious bandit. What? Why, you lying dog. It was you who raised me. Hey. Get back, get back, Mitchell. Give me that gun. That gun's safer with me, Archer. You, you've got nothing on me. You mean because Lorenzo can't talk? If you want to put it that way. There's one witness you overlooked, Archer. Carlotta. Yeah. When she finds out you killed Lorenzo, she'll sing plenty, and it's a song you're not going to like. Did you send your report to the commissioner, Steve? Yeah, I called him. He said the prop foundation had sent a new man over to head up the office here. Well, and now you can relax for a few days. We, we're going to eat and drink and have a good time. You will have such a food as you never taste. Scalopini, escarole, a pizza. I, 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 pizza I, 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 that melts in your that, mouth. That sounds fine, Emilio, but I, I think I'll be heading back to the States. Now, what's the hurry? Well, someone back there is keeping some fried chicken on ice for me. Well, it would fried chicken. Yeah. It's got to be eaten on a boat, too. Steve, I don't understand. What's so special about the eating of fried chicken on a boat? Well, you see, she's uh, not the chicken. That is, I... Oh, well, just take my word for it, huh? So long, Emilio. <laughs> Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy and written by Bob Wright. This program was directed by Bill Karn with music by Bruce Ashley. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, as Steve Mitchell, embarks on another Dangerous Assignment. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. The National Broadcasting Company brings you Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell in Dangerous Assignment. Over here. Here I am with the boat. Swim over this way. Here, let me help you, I bold. Give me your hand. Come on. You set the charge of natural glycerin? Good. And no one saw you leave the ship? Ah, right on schedule. The ship goes to the bottom, and only the two of us know the location. <laughs> and now... Wait. Wait, No. No, put down the knife. No, 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 no! Three ships sunk in two weeks, Steve. And the last one cost the lives of six passengers. But, Commissioner, why send me halfway around the world just because three ships were sunk? Steve, those ships carried U.S. rehabilitation supplies. I see. Now, as usual, you'll pose as a foreign correspondent. Here's your press credentials, Steve. Your passport and plane ticket. Ruth, did you say plane ticket? You take off in two hours. Now, look, I was figuring on a little deal. Now, can't it wait till tomorrow? No, it can't wait. And that's another <clears throat> thing, Steve. On this assignment, there's to be no women and no gambling. It's strictly business, dangerous business. Okay, Commissioner. All right, Steve. Your first stop in Saigon is the Malayan Star Lines. The manager's name is Bravon. You've got your assignment. Get going. You've seen him in The Great McGinty, as Major Devereaux in Wake Island, as Trampas in The Virginian. Now, here is our star, Brian Donlevy, in another two-fisted portrayal as Steve Mitchell in Dangerous Assignment. The time now, the place, Saigon, inscrutable city of the Orient where the ancient and the modern rub elbows in the narrow, crowded streets. Saigon, city of intrigue, of shadows, of forgotten men, of danger. Mr. Brabant, I believe you're in charge of the Malayan Star Lines here in Saigon. That is correct, Monsieur... Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. I'm a foreign correspondent. I just flew in. I'd like an interview. There's not much of which to talk. 
Three ships of our line sail for Singapore. The first night out's an explosion. They're gone. Just like that, huh? We oui, just like that. Could uh, I take a look at the passenger list for those three ships? Certainly. I have them on my desk. Thank you. You don't carry many passengers. Only a few. Any survivors? From the first sinking, none. From the third sinking, also none. How about the second? One. Who is it? An Englishman named Dixon, the cook. Is he around anywhere? I'd like to talk to him. Aran, tell the Englishman Dixon to come to my office. Most of your crews have been with the line quite a while. It is the exception rather than the rule, monsieur. Out here, one must take what men one can get. I see. What kind of cargo were your ships carrying? That is the mystifying part, monsieur. Here are the cargo lists. As you see, the Malay and Star Lines carry American rehabilitation supplies, teakwood, spices, rubber, the usual. This uh, teakwood, I notice all of it comes from the same place. Yes, the plantation of Monsieur Surat. It is inland, up the Saigon River. Come in. Wanted to see me, Mr. Brevont? Uh, oui, yes. Uh, this gentleman is Monsieur Mitchell, a journalist. Nice to meet you, sir. Hi. Uh, Mr. Brevont tells me you're the only survivor from the second sinking. Oh, I'm the only one from any of them. That makes you pretty lucky, doesn't it? <laughs> lucky ain't off of it. Look, uh, did you notice anything unusual aboard your ship before the explosion? Well, I was back aft, getting a breath of air before turning in, I was. And I noticed a silhouette of a small boat in the moonlight. Off our starboard beam, she was. And running without lights. Without lights? That's right. Anything else? I didn't have time to notice anything else, mister. Because just then there's a sheet of flame. The whole ship goes up in the air, and the next thing I know, I'm holding on to a spar in the water for dear life. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you any idea what your ship's position was when she went down? Near as I can figure, we was in shoal water close to Polo Condori. That is an island a hundred miles off the coast of Indochina, monsieur. But, of course, it is but a guess. We have no way of knowing the exact location. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the information. I think it ought to make a good yarn. Do you intend to remain here in Saigon long? Well, that depends. I'd like to talk to Mr. Surratt, the plantation owner. Do you know where I might find him? There is a gambling casino just down the street, monsieur. If he is in Saigon, he will be there. Good. I'm beginning to feel lucky. I am certain you will not lack for games of chance in Saigon, monsieur. I personally find gambling a bore, but it would seem I am in the minority. Yeah, I guess you are. Well, thanks for the story. I'll see you around. Hmm. He's an inquisitive gent, ain't he, Mr. Brevon? Yes, he is indeed. Newspaper chap, is he? That is what he said. Dixon, tell Aran to answer my telephone for me. I'm going out for a while. Sixteen. Right. Even. Sorry, monsieur. You lose again. Look, this game is slow death. Haven't you got something with a little more action in it? And Monsieur would perhaps prefer the dice table downstairs. That's a thought. Thanks. Oh! oh I beg your pardon. Oh, no, it is my fault, Monsieur. <laughs> Let me pick up your chair. Oh, you are most kind, Monsieur. It was very clumsy of me. As a matter of fact, I bumped into you deliberately. 
It was the only way I could think of to meet you. Monsieur has a ready wit. <laughs> if you're looking for something to tack on after the monsieur, it's Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. They call me Leanna, monsieur. <laughs> they picked a nice name. Well, here are your chips. You pick up my chips and my luck with them. You must allow me to buy you a drink, huh? You see, I am superstitious. Good. So am I. And having a drink with you is suddenly a superstition of mine. <laughs> Let us go to the bar. Liana. Liana. Well, I should have known you wouldn't be alone. It is only my brother, monsieur. Oh, where are you going, Liana? It is all right, Matihika. I'm sure the American will take good care of me. Uh, monsieur Steve Mitchell, my brother, Matik. Hello. Oh, your servant, Effendi. Here, Matik, you play some of my chips now while we have our drink. Come along, Steve. You uh, live here in Saigon, Liana? For the most part. But I'm restless. I travel a lot. Tomorrow night I leave for Singapore. Oh? <laughs> I guess my luck hasn't changed after all. I will not be gone long. How are you going to Singapore? I travel by tram steamer. It is not so boring. Oh, not on the Malay Star Lines. Why, yes. Ah, here we are. <laughs> Sort of crowded right here. Why don't we move down to the other end? Uh, there all is right. room here. I will move over. Oh, thank you. No trouble, sir. No trouble at all. What will you have, Stephen? Bourbon and... Uh, hey. What is it? I just saw someone I know, Liana. Uh, excuse me just a minute. Of course. Be back in a minute. I will order the drinks. Well, my dear. He seems interested in the Malayan star line, sir. You think he is involved? It is possible. Very well. I will proceed on that assumption. Boy, come here. Oui, monsieur? I want a message delivered for me. Good evening, Mr. Brevant. Oh, Monsieur Mitchell, is it not? Have you written your story yet? Not yet. I'm a little surprised to see you here at the casino. When we talked this afternoon, you told me gambling bored you. It does. But I do find interest in observing gamblers, monsieur. Particularly when high stakes are involved. Oh? Monsieur, I congratulate you on the speed with which you have made yourself acquainted in Saigon. What do you mean? Did I not observe you conversing at the bar with Surat? Surat? The stout gentleman. You mean the guy who was standing next to me? The one with the face like a toad? <laughs> Your description does not flatter him, but it is accurate. Hmm. Well, thanks, Laurent. I'll see you around. Undoubtedly, monsieur. I'm oh, sorry I took so long, Leona. Oh, it is quite all right. Well, here is your drink. Thanks. Say, uh, what happened to the guy who was next to me here, the one who moved over to make room? Oh, I did not know, Steve. I was not noticing. Hmm. Surat. Is that his name? Yeah. Well, cheers. Cheers. Monsieur Mitchell. Monsieur Steve Mitchell. Over here, boy. You are a busy man, Steve. <laughs> I seem to be. Monsieur Mitchell? Yeah, what is it? Uh, you are wanted outside, monsieur. Oh? By whom? Oh, he not give name, monsieur. But he say, quite urgent. Okay. Here. Oh, thank you, monsieur. Lana. I know, I know. You will be gone but a minute. Yes, I will wait for you. Uh, 
Mitchell Effendi. Who are you? You are Steve Mitchell? What do you want, a calling card? Yeah, I'm Steve Mitchell. I suppose you tell me why you got me out here. I am Dalai. I suggest that we walk, Effendi. Oh. You always suggest with a gun, Dalai? When it is necessary, Effendi. Come. Mind telling me where we're going? Certainly not. Right around the corner here and into the alley. Cozy in here. And dark, Effendi. Wait a minute. Looks like we've got company in here. It is but my friend Banjack, Effendi. Oh, hello. What's the matter? Is he bashful? He cannot speak. His tongue was removed by force some years ago. But he is strong and willing. Banjack. Why, you... That reminder from Banjack will serve to open the conversation. Look. I don't know what this is all about. To be brief, Effendi, you have information which I require. The locations of the three sunken ships. The ships? You think I know where they were sunk? Aren't you? Look. Perhaps that will refresh your memory. How can I tell you the location when I don't know them? Again, Banjak. I tell you, this wasn't going to do you any good. I don't know where those ships were sunk. Very well. If you intend to be stubborn, you may proceed, Banjak. I told you not to resist. Well, you think I'm going to stand here and let this big ape make mince meat out of me? Very well, Effendi. It is a pity the Effendi bleeds so easily, Banjack. But I must not deprive you of extended enjoyment. You may kick him. I will tell you when to stop. The National Broadcasting Company is bringing you Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell in the second of an exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment. The time, the next morning. The place, a luxuriously furnished bedroom in a spacious villa near Saigon, overlooking the sea. Oh. Ah. You are awake at last, Effendi. Eh, uh, you can call it that. Well, hey, wait a minute. You're Leona's brother, aren't you? Matik, your servant, Effendi. Look, would you mind telling me how I got into this harem? <laughs> You are in the house of my sister, Liana. How did I get here? Well, Liana became worried when you did not return to the casino last night. We went outside to look for you and found you crawling out of the alley, badly beaten. So we brought you home with us. You are all bloody. How do you feel now? All bloody? Hey, help me out of this mink-lined cradle, will you? Oh, of course. Where are my pants? Hey, wait a minute. No, 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 no. It was I who put you to bed, Effendi. And here are your pants. Thanks. Where's Liana? Swimming in the ocean. Come. You can see her out the window. Hey, 
She's quite a swimmer, isn't she? Does she always swim out that far? Oh, yes. Every morning. Well, I'm not that ambitious this morning, but a dip would do me good. It's swimmer yourself. <laughs> that water made me feel almost human again. Any cigarettes around here? Uh, right here in my robe. Here you are. <laughs> you uh, you look much better than when we found you last night, dear. You know, you've taken awfully good care of me, Liana. Why? Why? Oh, perhaps. Perhaps there have been... So many places, many times, many men in my life. And with me, it has always been the same. But then last night, I saw you. And I knew you were something different. How different? Hmm. Does that make your bruises feel better? It helps. You know... That's a kind of medicine I could get addicted to, Liana. Perhaps. Perhaps when I return from Singapore, there will be more time to become addicted. Maybe. When do you sail? At eight tonight. On the Malayan Queen. I guess my luck's still no good. <laughs> okay, look, i got to go back to my hotel and pick up a change of clothes. But anyway, I'll be down to see you off tonight. you get in here? I'm Surratt. I learned you were registered at this hotel, so I took the liberty of waiting here in your room. Quite the liberty, wasn't it? When occasion demands it, the courtesies must be omitted. What's the occasion? I will be brief. Mr. Mitchell, I will assume you are a man who is interested in money. That's a safe assumption, Surratt. I believe you're in possession of certain information which is of value to me. Here we go again. Sir? Look, you happen to know a couple of cutthroats named Dylai and Benjack? Benjack's a big lug with no tongue. Dylai, Benjack? I have not had the pleasure of their acquaintance, sir. Oh, it's no pleasure, believe me. Sir? I'll skip it. Now, what's this about certain information I have? I will not waste words. Ten thousand American dollars for the location of the sunken ships. Ten thousand? Means a lot to you, doesn't it? You've been shipping teakwood on the Malayan Star Line, haven't you? From my plantation up the river, sir. It is a matter of record. I didn't know teakwood was that valuable. I repeat my offer. Ten thousand American dollars. Uh, I'll have to have a little time to think it over, Surratt. I cannot grant you much time, sir. I'm sailing tonight on the Malayan Queen. You have until 7.30 this evening. Okay. I will expect your answer before sailing time. Until then, good day, sir. Malayan Star Lines. 
Uh, Mr. Bravant, please. I am sorry, sir, but he's gone. Gone? Yes, sir, on a business trip. He is sailing in half an hour on the Malayan Queen. Could you get word to him that, uh, uh... Never mind, I'll call you back. Come in. Mitchell. Dixon, what's the matter? A knife in me back. What happened? Malayan Queen, ready to sail. Yeah, I know. I saw someone go aboard. That was on the other ship. You mean the ship that was sunk? Yes. Who was it? Followed me here and... Stabbed me. Who stabbed you? I... <sighs> Dixon. Dixon! Sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. Mitchell, but I don't leave the bridge until we're out of the channel. That's okay, Captain. I'd like you to look at these credentials. They'll explain who I am and why I'm aboard your ship. Hmm. You're investigating the recent sinkings. Yes, Captain. A couple of people seem awfully interested in the location of those sunken ships. I'm kicking an idea around that maybe there was something pretty valuable aboard them. Hmm, what would it be? I don't know. Are you carrying the same sort of cargo on this ship that was on the others? Yes, as far as I know. Another shipment of teakwood from Surratt's plantation? There is. Also, some American rehabilitation supplies. Hmm, tell me. Could those rehabilitation supplies be salvaged after they were sunk? Oh, no, no. The water had ruined them. Mm. Captain, suppose you wanted to sink a ship and recover something from it later. What? Where would you sink it? I, I suppose in shallow water. Yeah. Now, what's the first shallow water we'll be passing through tonight? Well, let's see. We'll pass through the Diablo Shoals a little after midnight. Depth there is only 15 fathoms. I see. Is... That the passenger list on your desk? Yes. Here. Yeah, looks like the gang's all here. Bravant, Liana, her brother Matik, and Surratt. Captain, I need your full cooperation. Why, certainly. What is it? I'd like you to order these four passengers to be in Bravant's stateroom three hours from now at 11 tonight. Brevant, I demand an explanation of this, being hauled up to your cabin like a common criminal. But, Monsieur Surat, I am as much in the dark as you. I do not think it necessary to point out that this may cost you my business, Brevant. If you would only tell us the reason for all this, Effendi Brevant. Matik, I am sure there must be a good reason for all this. If we are but patient, we will learn what it is. Here is the man who is responsible, Monsieur Mitchell. Steve! Hello, Liana. Matik. Your servant, Effendi. Good evening, sir. Surat. Apparently, you forgot our appointment, Mr. Mitchell. I didn't forget it. I had a couple of other things to take care of. Perhaps, sir, you'll be good enough to explain what this is all about. Sure, I'll explain. I'll make it short. I think one of you is responsible for the sinkings of those three ships. You are joking, Steve. Sorry, Liana. But, but to suggest that I could have anything to do with it. You're a good swimmer. I'm afraid I'll have to count you in. Oh, it is so ridiculous to think that I or my brother could be involved in such a thing. You make a serious charge against us, Effendi. I know. This is an insult to my long years of service on the line. Perhaps it is a serious charge as far as the others are concerned, Mr. Mitchell. But to suspect that I am involved is ridiculous. Much valuable teakwood of mine was sunk with those ships. Yeah. And maybe it's more valuable than I thought at first. What do you mean by that, sir? I'll let it ride for the time being because I've got another piece of news for you. Of course, it isn't really news to one of you. What do you mean, Steve? 
There was a ship's cook named Dixon, survivor of one of the sinkings. Tonight, he saw one of you come aboard. He recognized you as being on that other ship. So whichever one of you it was, killed him to shut his mouth. I assure you, this is the first of these ships I have been aboard, sir, and also the last. One of you four is the killer and dynamiter. That person has a bomb planted on this ship and plans to dive overboard before the explosion. And that explosion is due for about midnight, 45 minutes from now. Steve, this is ridiculous. Is it? Just keep your eyes on that clock, all of you. Nobody's going to leave this cabin for the next 45 minutes. We're going to sweat it out together. Just watching that minute hand creep around to midnight. Eleven thirty. Anyone feel like talking yet? Really, Mitchell? Really, what? Haven't Robin? you carried this silly joke far enough, Steve? There is only one way to prove he is mistaken in his suspicions, Liana. That is to wait. Can't we get a little air into this cabin? It's so infernally hot. You know something, Surratt? It's going to get a lot hotter. Seven minutes to midnight. We reach shallow water in about ten minutes. That means ten minutes before the ship gets blown up. Anybody's tongue loosening up? Surratt? I demand to be released from this pest hole. Bravant? You must be insane. Liana? think I once considered you... Yeah, to... yeah, save the romance. Matik, how about you? You feel like talking? When one knows nothing, one can say nothing, Effendi. Okay, keep watching that minute hand, hmm? I can't stand this any longer. I've got to get out of here. You've got to let me go. So you're the one, Surratt. No, no, no. You must believe me. I would be the last one in the world to blow those ships up. Why? Surratt! There's there's gold hidden in those crates of cheek wood. Surratt, you fool. He was only bluffing. Now you have told him. You haven't told me enough. Keep talking. I I have nothing more to say. Look, Surratt. Three ships have been sunk on account of this. Now open up. Start talking. No, no. You better talk before I beat it out of you. Now spill it. All right, all right. During the war, an air raid, a ship carrying gold bullion steamed up the river to escape. But it was sunk near my plantation. I think I can take it from there. You recovered the gold, and this is the way you've been sneaking it out of Indochina, huh? Hidden in crates of teakwood? Yes, it was Liana's Shut idea. Shut up, Surat! But someone must have found out about the gold and has been sinking the ships. Yeah, in shallow water so they can get the gold later. Fendi Mitchell, now that we know Surat is guilty, you will please allow me to leave. I have a headache. Mitchell, it is almost midnight. Yeah, nobody's leaving until I find out who's mined this ship. Fendi Mitchell, you I... keep looking at your watch, Matik. Why? Matik... Matik, what is the ma- Matik, you didn't. You did. You put the explosives on this ship, too. You were going to jump overboard and leave me here, you fool. Where'd you plant it, Matik? Where did you plant it? Let me out of here. You're not going anywhere. The natural glycerin will explode in two minutes. Matik, you sank those ships. You and Liana betrayed me. Very well. Surat, put that gun away. Surat! And for you, Liana. Stand that gun, Bravant. Wait, wait, wait. Matik, where's the nitroglycerin? Where is it? Surratt, you jughead. You killed the only man who knew where it was hidden. We've got a minute and 50 seconds to find that nitro. Genius. Any ideas, Bravant? Matik could not have put it below decks. Men are stationed all over the ship. It must be in this cabin. Come on. Locked. Get back, Bravant. Wait, wait. Take that side of the room. I'll take this. All right. It's got to be in here somewhere. It's got to be. There's nothing over here, Mitchell. Wait a minute. Listen. There's something kicking. Yes, yes, I did it. Under the bunk. 
Look, that black suitcase. Easy. Oh, it's over, boss. It's over, boss. Quick. Yeah, I gotta get out of the way, Vermont. I gotta get it over the rail. Hurry, Mitchell, hurry. Only a few seconds more, and we'll explode through it as far as you can. You don't have to tell me that. Hit the deck. Yeah. Except that I'm about five years older, Captain. That was close. Yeah, too close. Probably buckled if you were the ship's plates. Yeah, well, you better put Surratt under arrest. You can turn him over to the authorities when the ship reaches port. Yeah. Chances of getting the gold that's already been sunk are pretty slim, but there's probably a lot of it still at Surratt's plantation. The government can check that. Mitchell... Allow me to say, I have never seen one so calm in the face of danger. All the time we were waiting in my cabin after I realized what your plan was, my heart was in my throat. You think mine wasn't? It was choking me. <laughs> uh, look at me, Bravant. I look like a fairly intelligent guy, don't I? Well, yes, of course. With a normal assortment of brains. Certainly. And a reasonable amount of common sense. But of course. And... Will you tell me something? What is it? Why did I ever get myself mixed up in a job like this? have just heard the second in an exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Dangerous Assignment is written by Bob Reif and directed by Bill Karn, with music by Bruce Ashley. Be with us again next week at this same time, when Brian Donlevy, starring as Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thanks for joining us at Radio Days when radio was king. Let us know if you enjoyed Dangerous Assignment by sending us a review in Apple Podcasts or an email to 1001storiespodcast at gmail.com. We'll read comments on future episodes, and we also invite suggestions for shows we haven't tried yet. Radio Days is an old-time radio sampler, giving you a wide range of shows that come from the golden age of radio. In the days before television, people actually had to imagine the picture that radio was painting, earning it the nickname, the theater of the mind. It's still true today. In my opinion, TV has a dumbing-down effect on people and steadily nicks away at our culture offering sex and violence as regular fare. There are always great options to TV, including books and old-time radio. Be sure to tune into our other shows at 1001 Stories Podcast Network, and those include 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries Podcast, 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales, and 1001 Stories for the Road, all available wherever your favorite podcasts are found. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.